Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Before we dive into today's show, many of you know we are facing incredible censorship. If you appreciate this show and content, please go over to mattbelair.com and sign up for the email list to stay in touch. Join the membership for exclusive content. Consider becoming a patron. Share the content and consider taking the kindness challenge and doing three kind acts a day for a week. Now, let's get into today's show. Tonight's guest is an extraordinary researcher and the mind behind canucklaw.ca. She prefers to remain anonymous. Welcome to the show, Canuck. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you having uh, having you on the show, and we had a little discussion before about the anonymity, and it's, um, I was just saying it's a bit of a wise move with all the chaos that's going on, you know. For me personally, I've lost a lot of friends. I've been attacked quite a bit. Um, we're in a very divisive time, um, and this is just people. We're not even getting into the governments and what they're planning on doing, so uh, it's probably a smart move at this time to to do that, and I came across your website a while ago. And it's been one of my main resources of just looking at resource, you know, what you're doing and you're very consistent and I like the way you lay it out and there's a lot of information on there. And when you, the way you kind of lay it out, it's, it's easy to follow and um, it's all verifiable. So you're finding stuff that's uh, you're really diving deep into it. So I think you're doing fantastic research and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And so I just wanted to open it up to you to uh you know give us a little presentation on what you've what you've been finding you were doing research before the coronavirus and then as the coronavirus happened just like myself we wanted to know the truth about what's going on and we were very similar minded you know you were sharing a lot of the things that i was finding but then i was sharing the stuff um and verifying it with the same links that you were uh putting out there and so you've done a lot of digging a lot of fantastic research and so i'll be quiet and let you kind of walk us through some of the things that you've been discovering um in your research oh hi um okay well i guess the first thing for people should know about this you know our so-called responses we don't exactly have a choice in this um as our part of our membership with the world health organization we're actually bound to their constitution and by extension, the international health regulations. So in a sense, we're run by the World Health Organization. Um, Our politicians just don't want to come out and openly admit it, but that's how it's set up. Um, uh, For example, I think I have it here. Um, Article 21A of whose constitution specifically lays out um, the things for, say, quarantine measures, and it gives them explicit authority. And 22, so yeah, 21A gives it that. And 22 um, says, unless you opt out within a certain amount of time, which I don't think we've done, the Constitution is binding on all parties. So, yeah, like, Ottawa isn't in charge. We have, we have foreign masters when it comes to this. But that shouldn't really um, support, surprise anyone at this point. But anyway, were those measures put in a while back? I remember seeing some of the legislation from a few years ago, and then they put in an Emergencies Act. Is that what you're referring to? Well, it's actually the Quarantine Act that uh, the 2005 Quarantine Act, and which interestingly was also written by the World Health Organization. But yeah, like 
this is how international things shall be done. And yeah, the health regulations, they specifically say, yes, these are binding on all member states. So it's when this, when you hear that, oh, our health officers are working for the UN and who, well, that's kind of true. They are. And unfortunately, as far as I know, like all the provinces have some version of a public health act, which specifically gives the respective health officer authority to do stuff. So our provinces have legislated away their own, their own autonomy, which I, th I think this is an abdication of your duty to govern. Like you can't just pass laws and say, Hey, it's not our problem. This person will deal with it. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. I can't vote out, you know, Bonnie Henry. I can't vote out Barbara Yaffe. Like, I, I can't get rid of them the same way. I can't get rid of Dina Henshaw. You can at least theoretically get rid of your MP or your MLA. So. Yeah, and this would coincide with the idea that, uh, you know, <laughs> this is a, uh like a global takeover, you know, it's moving toward the world health organization and who gave them power and how they're using the healthcare system to es essentially impose tyranny, like legally, you know, as, as they're creating these laws and legislations. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's all on paper if you're willing to dig a little bit, it's scary how people aren't like, I'm sorry, if, if you work for somebody else, you should come forward and say so like you shouldn't pretend that you're the boss. And yeah, just to quote a little bit off the site, the IHR are an instrument of international law that is legally binding on 196 countries, including 194 WHO member states. The IHR grew out of the response to deadly epidemics that once overran Europe. They create rights and obligations, including the requirement to report public health events. <clears throat> the regulations also outline the criteria to determine whether a particular event constitutes a public health emergency or international concern. So we, we have to share our info, which by itself, I'm, I can kind of, I could understand if we had a health problem, but then it's okay. Well, these are the rules that be subjected to. This is how the response shall be. And by the way, we get to determine if it's a pandemic or not. So and then how they would, what they would enforce. And so this is, you know, I think you, you posted as well about the internment camps and I just call them concentration camps because you only have internment camps when there is war. And so I keep seeing different articles about forced vaccines or how they're going to do it with legislation and different things like that. But every now and then something will pop up in the legislation. That's completely insane. I saw something today about the legislation in New Zealand and it basically said something along the lines that they could um, come into your home and take your family member away for, you know, under the guise of, of health safety. Yeah, I, I've seen that too. I've also seen um, Jacinda Arden talk about, oh, we can force, we can make it so you don't leave the camp until you get tested. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, that, so that's, I'm sorry, if you can't leave, that, then it's not optional. And it's... And I've heard in Australia, particularly around the Melbourne area, they've actually started using drones to make sure that people are, you know, staying out of areas they should, shouldn't be in. And it's like, this is so, like, this is so Orwellian, so dystopian. 
Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. And so, what do you have pulled up here? Um, I know you've done uh, some great research as well as in the in the World Economic Forum. You know, you dig, you dig. I think like a layer deeper than than me. So it's great to yeah. like kind of you go in and you'll you'll actually you know highlight clips of the legislation and things like that. Yeah. Well, I was looking through, you know, curious who actually runs the World um, World Economic Forum, and you'll probably recognize the name Christia Freeland, who is our Deputy Prime Minister. Okay, that's that's a pretty significant conflict of interest. She's the second most powerful person in the country, but yet she's a trustee at a group like that. Um, Mark Carney, of course, used to be head of the Bank of Canada, and he's now, I think his role is at the UN as UN Climate Action and Finance, essentially glorified to carbon tax collector. Um, Al Gore, we have Al Gore, who was a vice president in the 1990s, and he now gets rich off the whole climate change industry. So. Yeah, that's that's wild. And I, this Christia Freeland, I watched um, uh, a little bit of a back and forth. I don't know how to pronounce his name properly. Pierre Poilier. Poilier, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was sorry, man. I'm butchering your no, name. Uh, but he's he seems smart and intelligent and reasonable. And whenever she answers a question, you can tell that she is operating in some sort of just manipulation. You know, you can just see how terrible of a human being she is. It's like, I am basically going to do this and give you the worst answer and has such an attitude. And, and on the other side is like reason and facts and information. And uh, you can just tell on her side, it's, it's propaganda and overt control. And, and it's obvious what they're doing. It's, it's complete insanity. And uh, there, we have one more MP, uh, Randy Hillier that's standing up and saying, hey, this is ridiculous. So he does that. And then on Twitter, I was going to do a video about this today. Somebody says, oh, look at this bigot. And I was like, how is he a bigot? Like, how do you associate those two things? It's ridiculous. Like, what are you even talking about? There's nothing in there that's bigotry for standing up for your rights. Like, how how do they say that with the barbecue thing going on in Canada as well? And now they're, they're calling them white privilege. Like, how how do those how do you reconcile that? It makes no sense, but that's what happens if you oppose what they want to essentially do. Well, with Hillier, he raises the point, um, okay, how can you shut down a barbecue shop, but let Costco down the street have 300 people in there? Like, like how do you have any logic or consistency with how lockdowns are imposed? And like, this isn't, this has nothing to do with health. It's, like it's all about we want to we want to decide what kind of businesses shall live and who shall not live. Yeah. Like, like if it were applied consistently, I could sort of kind of understand it, but it fairly clearly isn't. Like it's, and we had the same thing out in BC. It's back in March. Okay, these are the not March eighteenth, I believe. These are the non-essential businesses. This is what is essential. So for the next month, these are the businesses that shall operate. I mean, aside from the arbitrary nature of what is quote unquote essential, how is it even legal? Like everyone has the right to earn a livelihood. No, you're, you're not important. Shut down. Um, here's the health order. Just shut down. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. And so, well, what do you have teed up for us? Do you want to go more in the um, the IHR? Or do you want to go into some of the stuff you saw with the World Economic Forum or anywhere else? Okay. Oh, 
Oh, well, I'll get, I'll get to the account formats. Oh, there's a lot there. Um, this is the, <clears throat> this is the third and I believe the current version of international health regulations. Um, well, there's international sanitary regulations that came out in 1951. And the first version of IHR was 69, I think. And the second edition was 1995. And this is the third edition, which is basically an international health guide for how member states shall live there, like how they shall conduct things. And under the foreword, under articles 21A and 22, the constitution of who confers upon the World Health Assembly the authority to adopt regulations designed to prevent the international spread of disease, which after adoption entered into force <clears throat> for all who member states that do not affirmatively opt out. That's the foreword of the 2005 edition. So they're quite explicitly saying this is the part of our constitution this is based on. And see. And I would say that the U.S. has opted out by Trump leaving the World Health Organization. That makes sense. And then Canada, Australia, New Zealand are all very much opted in. And one of the things I've been saying is that Canada, Australia, and New Zealand are maybe the worst. I know Europe isn't doing so well either. But for me, I feel like whatever they're going to try to roll out is going to get the furthest there because at least the Europeans rebel a little bit and they get together. You know, Canadians are pretty darn docile. Yeah. Um, I don't think Trump actually pulled them out. I know he cut funding, but then gave the money to Gavi. Um, I don't think he actually left the World Health Organization. So if the U.S. is still involved, they would still be obligated to follow along which is kind of, yeah, I, I don't like the fact that people that I don't vote for and who I can't have a vote over get to determine how my life shall be. You mm -hmm. know, maybe I'm just being, you know, a little nuts about this, but I, I prefer to have a say in who runs my life. Absolutely. Yeah. That seems like a reasonable request. Yeah. And just a few articles of World Health Organization Constitution, Article 21. The Health Assembly, like the World Health Assembly, shall have authority to adopt regulations concerning Part A, sanitary and quarantine requirements and other procedures designed to prevent the international spread of disease. That's specifically what we're dealing with now, or at least what they claim is a pandemic. Article 22. Regulations adopted to pursuant Article 21 shall come into force for all members after due notice has been given by adoption of the Health Assembly, except for, except for such members as may notify the Director General of rejections or reservations. So you have a time limit to opt out, which I'm pretty sure we didn't do. And if you think this is scary, you should also know that, yeah, the 2005 Quarantine Act that you know, Paul Martin was prime minister at that time. He didn't write it. Like, he actually didn't write the legislation that we're currently have to deal with. And I went through, dug, went through some of the parliamentary transcripts, and this is from the November 4th, 2004 hearing. And they talk about how they're drafting the Quarantine Act in such ways they think will be consistent like in anticipation of the new IHR coming out. So it's, okay, we know this is coming, so we're going to draft our own laws to accommodate it. So the obvious question is, who actually wrote it? 
And if you want your law, your new domestic laws to be compatible with this, I would say it's the foreign body who's really writing it. And yeah, in that November 4th hearing, they mentioned several references. Well, IHR is bond binding. We have to, you know, be compatible. We need to change our rules. They make it pretty clear that like, who actually ran the show. So, and now since we have our provincial health officers and all of our provinces give them special powers, the orders go from who to essentially bypass our politicians and go to the health officers, and we have no democratic say in any of this. So, it's very disturbing. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, what defines a pandemic? And and I know you've done a lot of research on that. I've I've talked a lot about it. Right now, we know that the survival rate is 99.9, so like a 0.26%. Um, you know, the average age of death in Canada is 86. Um, in the States, the CDC released that the, you know, only nine of, of all the deaths, 94 had existing conditions and an average of two and 2.6 existing conditions. And so when you have um, the World Health Organization, which number one funder, I believe, is China, and then the Gates Association is top three or five in there as well with their vaccine agenda linked to the World Economic Forum that is legislating countries, it's uh, it's very frightening, especially when they put in the words internment camps. And you know that these people, when they meet at Davos – are planning all of this. You have it in the Rockefeller documents, the lockstep, which we're essentially in right now. And so you can find all this stuff. Klaus Schwab wrote a book. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but I've seen excerpts of it. And I'm sure it just outlines all this stuff in detail, you know, the great reset and where they want to go. And it lines up with agenda 2030 and all that kind of stuff. So, so what if, yeah, I don't know, I could kind of get lost in a rabbit hole, but what do you want to, what do you want to chat about? What do you want to, what do you want to dive yeah. into? Um, well, this is something else. like, you know how every couple of years we have quote unquote a pandemic, which is going to threaten humanity. I looked back, um, it's actually the 2009 uh, H1N1, which is the swine flu. That one caught my interest because there's an awful lot in common with what's going on right now. Um, well, for, uh, I guess to start with, um, most people know the name Neil Ferguson. He works for Imperial College London and he does their computer modeling. Yep. He, d he did a lot of modeling for um, swine flu as well. And I believe he predicted, oh, we're going to have 65,000 deaths in the UK. And in the end, there's only 457. Like he was off by factor of almost 100. And that is actually one of his more accurate predictions. <laughs> um, they also used these PCR tests, like polymerase chain reaction, which... This is how we're going to diagnose swine flu in people. And as a bit of an aside, PCR was never meant for active infection. Like originally that test, they use it for DNA amplification, like for like criminal and civil cases, because, you know, the old technique, you need huge samples. PCR is a way to artificially generate more. But PCR wasn't meant to, like it's not meant to determine, are you infected with something? Are you contagious? Like that's not at all its purpose. You could have like dead residual bits of material in your body and oh, PCR tests could theoretically flag it. You could have a flu shot or, you know, a, an antibiotic, something to fight it. Oh wait, I see similar material. You're positive, you're infected. 
And yeah, that's why we have so many so many false positives. Uh, the inventor of the test, Kerry Mullis, said, "Don't use this to test for you know viral contagion or however he phrased that." And I saw another recent article where Anthony Fauci said the PCR test is useless um, above 25 cycles, basically magnifying it 25 times. And then the when you look into it, the PCR test, I believe, is magnified 40 times. So by his own definition, the PCR test is useless. And this is what we have. We have this case-demic to create hysteria. And I was talking to a friend recently, and I was like, what's happened is – amygdala hijack with fear conditioning because you've got these models coming out with Ferguson. Basically, I remember when it first came out, there's an article said something like a hundred million people could die. And you read that headline and people go, Oh my God, that's, that's super frightening. And they just batter you in the head over three months of incredibly frightening information. And most people don't know how to kind of factor or filter through that. So now the fear conditioning is set in and now they're just going to keep it going with the cases, even though now we know that it's literally just people, you know, in elderly people. It, they, you did another article today, which was great, and that's where I find it, where they admitted uh, 98% of the deaths in Canada came in long-term care. Well, people in long-term care, they die, and you end up dying at, at 86 years old. That's just a part of life. And like in any pandemic, you should protect the vulnerable. Never do you imprison the healthy when it's basically harmless for people under 30 who are in regular health conditions. It's ascent, you know, and they're using coronavirus like it's something crazy. Just say the flu. You know what I mean? It yeah. makes it less crazy, but COVID makes it sound frightening. And I don't know if it's true or not, but I see COVID as the acronym for certificate of vaccination ID. And I'm like, you know what? From what I know about the World Economic Forum, the Rockefellers, Davos, and all the evil people that you were saying at the beginning, <laughs> we're talking about the big picture. They're like, well, it's a bunch of evil people that you know have hate humanity. And I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Like, I I pretty much agree with that synopsis as well. Yeah, um, yeah, like you and I get called even when even though I tone it down a lot here, it's out where I am. It's I get called a conspiracy nut because. You know, I even her asking basic questions. Okay, oh, we've allegedly had nine, 11,000 deaths in Canada. Okay, what's the average age? What were their health problems beforehand? Like, you know, did, did, and the obvious one, did they die with it or did they die because of it? Because those are two completely separate things. Like, I don't know, you, you might be dying of cancer, but if you get hit by a semi, that cancer has nothing to do with your death. Yes. Um, I, oh, as for the 2009 one, that's another commonality, which I believe will happen here. Health Canada or the Ministry of Health actually approved two vaccines for the swine flu without even fully testing them. Um, I, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but Arapenrex? Arapenrex? And, I don't know. <laughs> and you can find, well, because under Section 30 of the Food and Drug Act, the Minister of Health is able to essentially sign interim orders and approve drugs, at least on a temporary basis, without like essentially skipping the formal channels. And that's what was done here. And this, oh, and once you, realize, once you read some of the actual information, that's a little scary. For, as for Apronex, some of the warnings, children's and Oh, I'll start with the seniors. Elderly, 60 years and older, 
there are limited data available from clinical studies with pen, <clears throat> pandemics, H1N1, and aripanrix H1N1 vaccine. The recommended, <clears throat> the recommended dosage in this age group is 0.5 milliliters. So it's quite, and this is off, I took off the government site. We admit, yeah, we haven't actually properly tested in seniors, but this is our recommended dose, half a milliliter. Um, I got issues with that. Children and adolescents aged 10 to 17, no clinical data are available for aripanrix. Uh, the recommended dosage for this group is in accordance with recommendations for adults. But wait, 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 you just said there's no clinical data available, but you're recommending um, dosage levels? Children aged six months to nine years, one dose of 0.25 or a quarter milliliter, half the adult, half the adult dose at an elected date. Preliminary immuno, immunogenicity data obtained in a limited children aged six to 35 months who reduced, received two doses of quarter mil of pandemrix containing half a milligram of derived from, oh God, California. It goes on to talk about certain doses for children. It's, but at the same time, well, we haven't actually tested it in children. The Minister of Health in 2009 still signed an interim order to approve it. The other vaccine, the monovalent one, elderly, six years or older, no clinical data are available, but we recommend a dose of 0.5 milliliters. Children's 10 to 17, no clinical data are available. In this group, one dose of half a milliliter may be administered. Age children, children aged three to nine, no clinical data available, um, but we recommend a two-dose regimen of 0.5 milliliters with an interval of at least 21 days. And children aged six to 35 months, no clinical data available. The use of vaccines should be considered in light of uh, Public Health Agency of Canada recommendations. And yeah, we don't recommend for less than six months. So these are two vaccines that the health minister signed an interim order for back in 2009. Yeah, we haven't actually tested them properly or fully, but you know what? We're going to recommend this anyway. So yeah, it's, it's complete insanity. You know, uh, Corbett report does a really great um, mini video or documentary, if you will, on, on Rockefeller medicine and how they basically hijacked medicine um, he had the power and the wealth to do so. And back in the day, you know, they're doing allopathic medicine. And I don't know what, what it is exactly, but allo, allopathic medicine or error, or I can't remember how they phrase it, but is responsible for a, a large amount of deaths. And, you know, back in the day, you could choose a homeopathy or allopathy. And a lot of people were choosing homeopathy because it was, uh, you know, it wasn't gruesome, right? They didn't have the same you know, you're always cutting something, you're using these pills and pharmaceuticals, and it shows how they basically wean that out in and enforced allopathic medicine, including the Flexner report, where they made they had a smear campaign for anything homeopathy became quackery. And we're in that paradigm right now. And that's why so many people have such cognitive dissonance, because they don't um, trace anything back to its roots. They'd be like, you know, why would doctors do this? It makes no sense. Well, the doctors got the education from the Rockefellers, you know, yeah. 
that's that's where they got it from. That's what they learned. So they're actually good people in a in a messed up system. Now, is there room for it? Yeah, absolutely. But when you're you, when you're looking at vaccinating the entire planet for all of eternity, you know, yeah. with for something that has a ninety nine point nine percent survival rate, that doesn't make any sense. And if you look into you know, who is trying to do that? Who are the people that want this to happen? And you, and you trace it back and who they are in their life history. They're all sketchy and easy to find that you don't want these people having uh, any kind of authority over your life. Yeah. Oh, you, you don't. And, and what happened then is something that Mike could, I believe will probably happen here. Um, indemnification from the courts. What this means is you could sell our, you can sell our products but nobody can sue us as a result of it. Yep. And GlaxoSmithKline, who I believe manufactured both of these vaccines in 2009, not only was their drug approved without like testing on the Canadian public, they were uh, indemnified or immunized by the Canadian government. You can't sue us. Like You can't hold us responsible. And it becomes a thing where essentially no one's responsible. The manufacturer is immunized. The government passes laws so you can't sue government officials. You can't sue your doctor because, well, you know what? They're acting in, you know, consistently with medical advice being offered. Like, the thing with doctors and like healthcare providers in, in general, it doesn't matter if what they're doing is bad. If it's, if it's accepted medical practice, they're essentially off the hook. So this, yeah. this made for- this mess up a lot of people and no, every, nobody can be held responsible. Yeah, the, you know, I, you know, I didn't know too much about vaccines until until this, right? And and everything kept coming up with the vaccine thing, and I and I was kind of nervous to go into it because, right? Everybody kind of loses their mind, and they basically call you, you know, a, a anti-vaxxer, conspiracy theorist, this and that. And you know, I've learned enough in my life that most of the systems don't have human benefit at the heart of it. And you know, even when I just looked up here, homeopathy. Um, it says homeopathy is a pseudo scientific system of alternative medicine, you know, so they already go pseudo scientific. They already um, create a smear campaign. And if you look at what's going on now with social media and Twitter and YouTube, they're calling anybody who says anything about the actual evidence of what is going on. It's complete insanity. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you to get into this clip here oh, yeah. um, as well, because it just shows the overt nature of it. And, People don't understand that the news and the mainstream media and newspapers, it is not designed to tell you the truth. It is designed to tell you what to think and what to accept and to program your mind. Nothing more. That is the actual purpose of it. The only way you're going to find real information and what is going on is from independent sources. And you're going to have to start looking a little bit harder because thousands of accounts are getting wiped out. It's the craziest internet book burning of all time. And it's the first time we've seen Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube weaponized. Other countries have already seen that, but it's the first time we're experiencing it here in this, in this country and in the Western countries and in Europe. Yeah. Um, well, this actually, uh, this got out a while ago. It's, there was a clip, I believe from November 15th where CTV admitted that, um, little over 95, 98% of the deaths, something like 10,800 10, out of, out of 11,000 deaths actually came in long-term care homes, which of course completely changes, like it, it gives context for things. No, this isn't nearly as serious as we think. 
and I went, I went back because somebody tipped me off. That clip has since been edited. Um, can I, can I play them just? Yeah. 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 Go ahead. Um, I just, I did a screenshot or a, a screen capture with bounty cam. So hence the banner. Here's a piece of what it used to look like. No, we can't hear it on your screen share. You might have to, or check the, check the volume on it, or you might have to re-screen share and optimize clip. Uh, we, other people can hear it and I can't. So just make sure when you click screen share at the bottom there, optimize clip for uh, video. Okay. Um, how do, how, where's optimize? Uh, bottom. When you go to screen share, look at the bottom. There'll be two boxes. Um. There should be anyway. When you go to okay. share, you got it? You should um, share screen and then go browser. And then once you click, click the browser, there should be two checkboxes at the bottom that say optimize. Oh, share, share sound, yes. Yeah, okay. perfect. There we go. Okay. Um, Thank you, Todd. One of the most troubling aspects of the second wave is the resurgence of COVID in long-term care homes, where the virus is finding most of its victims. Today, Quebec promised $100 million for home care and care workers' wages. Since the start of the pandemic, close to 11,000 Canadians have died, and more than 10,500 of them were seniors and staff in long-term care, with most of the fatalities in Quebec and Ontario. The early days of the pandemic exposed many underlying issues with how Canada cares for its most vulnerable. And in- Now, that's what the clip looked like a week ago. You know, sounds reasonable, sure, that's, that's okay. But the admissions they put in there, okay, of 10,947 deaths, 10,781 of those were actually in the long-term care homes. Okay, that, that changes things. It's like it, it really, like... It adds perspective. That's what people yes. don't want. They they add they don't you know well they don't want the perspective and that's that's the whole thing about when you're manipulating people and that's where kind of my specialty comes in is looking at the you know the history of psychological operations you know when you're afraid you're not taking in new information and so when they do all these faulty models that prove to be incorrect people can no longer take in new information because they can't accept this new context. Right. And they don't do the math for you. They don't go, yeah, that's 98%. Right. So you give someone a context. Like I have a good friend and he's like, you know, posting something. He's like, yeah, but I won't advocate for um, things opening up again. I'm like, based on what evidence, you know, it's, it's complete insanity to advocate that everybody, you know, and it's because always oh, is, um, you know, immune system is compromised. That's, that's what he says. But I was like, well, dude, you should still be fine because it's 98% in, in old people's homes. And, and if your body's compromised, the flu might get you. So take care of your health. You know, like why should every single other person be shut down and they're crushing businesses. And when you understand the context of the world economic forum, Davos, the money trails, the vaccines, the whole thing, you get a wider perspective of what is going on. But he wants to, you know, his view is to enforce his ideas and everyone else. And what I've been sharing recently is like, if you want to know if you're on the side of the oppressor, do your views require another person's submission? And if they do, the chances are that you're on the side of the oppressor. 
And also in history, if you look at any kind of genocide or anything like that, normally it's when you side with the government that you're the oppressor, you know? Normally, if you're going to side with the government, it's, it's you're the one doing the harm. And so people really need to understand these these bits of context. And this is a really powerful one. So uh, apologies for jumping in, but yeah. Please, oh, no worries. Please, please um, play the next clip. And, yeah. and you... And sorry, the last thing I'll say, you also did the best research, you know, in the States, they say it's six organizations that control the media. Um, you did a great article on um, how it's one, actually, Canada's, all of all of the mainstream media in Canada, all over every province is basically owned by one company. Yeah, for the most part, um, not yeah, Post Media owns not only the major stuff, but a lot of the very, I guess you would like the outlets that would seem more remote and independent. No, nope, they're not. <laughs> So it's, and oh, as for the clip above, this is what it now looks like. You're going to see a very obvious edit where they remove the reference to the long, like how many people died in long-term care. Jin must quarantine 14 days and Sunday, only a handful of new cases were reported, Sandy. That's good news. All right. Thank you, Todd. The early days of the pandemic exposed many underlying issues with how Canada cares for its most vulnerable. Yeah, that wasn't an edit on my part. That's what the video now looks like. They cut that portion where they admitted 10,000, almost 800 deaths. That that piece has actually been removed from their from their video. So people caught on like, you know, and I'm not the only one who screen captured this. Oh, wait, we kind of, yeah, we kind of blew the lid on it. So it's, we need to cut that part out. And, you know, yeah. typically when media thinks, okay, we clean up what we do, it's like, typically I don't really care if you're just, you know, making it more professional. But when you're selectively editing out something like this, then I have a problem. Like, there's, there's no valid reason to do this 10 days after the fact. Like, the only reason I can think of is, oh, wait a minute, we don't want this getting out anymore. So... You need to put, you need to have people in in fear to control them. You know if they're rising up, and that's why they they have this planned rollout for the internment camps for when people resist. It's not that they they are planning for resistance at some point when everybody finally catches on that they have no business that they can't eat. Um, you know they're going to plan for that with the internment camps, and there is even predictive programming with Hillary. Oh, I was calling Hillary Teresa Tam you know, with what they'll do in, in Canada with a, with a COVID response. And it's basically, if you refuse to get tested or get a vaccine, then they can put you in a quarantine camp and they've got the, uh, you know, the legislation all lined up for that. And it's, it's completely horrifying unless people start to wake up from this. Yeah. And, oh yeah, don't worry. It's just a, it's just a conspiracy, but you know, uh, Patrick Brown, who used to be the head of the Ontario conservative party, he's now the mayor of Brampton. He's open been like, hey, we want uh, isolation centers built in our area. Like, how is it a conspiracy theory when a, a mayor of a major city says, hey, good news? <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Yeah, so it says, uh, good news at 7.49 p.m. tonight, our medical officer of health, Dr. Lawrence Lowe, received a, 
official confirmation Peel region, which is near me for frig's sakes, will be receiving funding for an isolation center. And it's crazy when you communicate with this, people are like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's for travelers. It's, uh, it's, it's for your benefit. No, it is not. Never in history has an isolation or a detention center been for anything but war. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. japers, crapers. And you mentioned social media collusion and, you know, like censoring. Um, I'm trying to find the exact spot for this. This clip from Teresa Tam, like, like this is no longer conspiracy theory when you hear it straight from the source. I'm just trying to find the exact spot. Um, I might take a minute to play, but this, if anyone, if you, anyone listening is concerned about like your Facebook, your Google, your Twitter, your YouTube, this will chill you. COVID-19. I'm just wondering if these kind of theories, this kind of disinformation makes it harder for you, you to get your yep. message out. Uh, to get Canadians taking uh, your advice seriously? Well, I think uh, as I reflect on the unprecedented pandemic that we have, it is also, I think, the pandemic that's occurred in the age of social media and many different ways in which information is spread faster than the virus itself. Um, so that is a uh, dual challenge for sure. So misinformation and disinformation does not help public health officials. And so I think we as a collective public health system have tried through various means to provide information like these press briefings, our websites, guidance, etc. cetera. Um, but we are aware of course that uh, misinformation, disinformation exists. I think there's a part for almost everyone. There's a part for journalists who are in this room to help um, reveal the sort of tactics and the um, measures uh, that are at play, including bots and other uh, aspects of what's actually happening in the social media space. There's a role for, um, I think, internet and social media platforms and companies. So you may want to interview Facebook, for example, um, or Google, um, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, they have put in some measures. Um, and some of them involves actually directing people to the credible sites like the Public Health Agency website if people did certain searches, taking down, um, sort of demonetizing some of the, um, you know, quite frankly, um, outrageous disinformation um, and um, sort of um, putting them down the list of uh, search engines and that type of thing. So they're trying different um, tactics, I think, in their own ways. Um, I think but everybody, I think, can do more. Individuals. We're taking down sites. We're directing people to other sites. We're demonetizing sites. And we're manipulating the algorithms so that you don't find it. That's straight from Teresa Tam. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what they just talked about in, in the States, Zuckerberg, you can tell Zuckerberg and uh, Dorsey, they're up to something. Every single thing has to do with the globalist narrative. Every, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook only will allow what the globalist narrative is. Anything else gets literally deleted. My All my accounts got deleted. You know, I have uh, five years of doing podcasts on personal development and spirituality, but I also want to know the truth about what's going on in the uh, in the world. And that's why... 
you know, I've worked on bringing awareness to organ harvesting by working with the ITNJ. I worked on a project to bring awareness to the um, uh, human trafficking with the ITNJ, and forced, which included forced organ harvesting going on in China. And in China, they have uh, censorship. They don't have YouTube. They don't have Facebook. And this is what's happening here. And, and they're, they're wiping out tons and tons of accounts. And the thing is, that's where more, most people are getting their information is from independent media. And so now when you search something, all you're going to find is the debunk at the top. For the first two pages, all you're going to find is uh, Snopes and these debunkers and stuff like that, which when you play them side by side with the real evidence, you can clearly see which one and hear and feel which one resonates with truth because they give you the full perspective. Like it might feel true when you only take a little clip and you kind of manipulate it and massage it a little bit with propaganda and fear. It could kind of feel true. But when you place that beside the actual truth with perspective and context, then you get the whole story. And then you kind of know what's going on. And when all these pieces line up, you get way more information. You can have a clear view on what the hell is actually going on here. Yeah. And as for the whole I suggestion that this has been you know, planned out, um, this is another thing which should scare your audience. We introduced M132 in, two, in 2017. This is to finance international like pharma research and drugs themselves, not just for Canada, but for the world as well. So like this was laid in motion some three years ago. And, oh, it's, oh, it's like, you know, we just have a humanitarian thing. I mean, at the time it sounded, you know, pretty, it sounds pretty innocuous, but when you look at it in context, it's, just a very short piece of it. This is when it was announced in Parliament, November 2017. Guelph. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And it's my pleasure today to support the, the private member's bill that's being brought forward by my friend, my colleague, my neighbor uh, down the way on federally funded health research. This study will be focusing on lowering drug costs, but also looking at increasing access to medicines, both in Canada and around the world. Like my honourable colleague, I too have noticed that there is a knowledge transfer problem in Canada. In the House of and M132, they had their hearings in the fall of 2018 and in March 2019. Um, Parliament formally adopted the resolution, like the motion. So, its legislative hurdles have already been cleared. And if anyone's wondering, because Trudeau's made announcements, we're going to be financing. Um, like not just drugs for ourselves, but giving away millions as well. I think this is the basis for doing it was M132. And yeah, and this, this takes years and, you know, we're focusing a lot on uh, Cana the Canadian side of things. Cause that's a lot of what your focus and research is on because you are a Canadian, right? But this is similar in every country in the UK, in the States, what they've been trying to do there, uh, Australia, all of them, this, this whole thing has been, been orchestrated and that's that's the challenge for people to really consider like it's the how like how could there be like a global takeover and i remember researching this in my 20s and i was like oh my goodness like how would they even implement this but once you can kind of um just pay people off so that the governments aren't working for the people which they very rarely ever are they're just working for profits and to tell us what to do it becomes very obvious so you know they're the Similar plans and legislations and movements have gone on in other countries to enact these completely tyrannical measures to move us into the fourth industrial revolution, which is basically a medical technocracy. It's insanity. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, like it, it's all this sounds so, you know, oh, we're just doing some charity. Okay, okay, fine. But then, you know, a few years later, it's, hey, we want to vaccinate the entire planet for a virus with a 99% survival rate. It's, um, wait a minute here. <laughs> it's a bit um, of a jump. Yeah. And they always, they always make it sound good, right? Every like agenda 2030, 2020, the sustainable goals, they always wrap it up in some sort of nice delivery. But when you pick it apart and you figure out what it means, it's like, wait a second, this isn't a good thing. This is actually a terrible thing, you know? So they're very good at, at masking it. And most people don't have the time to do the digging, you know, you're doing, you're going, um, you're digging into these, you're reading, you're actually reading, uh, the reports and the transcripts and all this stuff and finding out, holy smokes, this is amazing. And, and part of the reason why you're anonymous is because people aren't ready for this information. They judge you. They might even attack you. They, you know, it's, it could be even dangerous, you know, in your, from your community, but online and people being total, um, butts, you know, if you're, if you're, a, if you've you monetized your channel or your podcast or your, um, your, your website, they're going to take that down, right? They're going to go at your livelihood. And so this is a, this is an attack for sure. This is, this is insane. And I've been saying since, well, I haven't been saying it publicly since March, but I've thought it since March. I was like, holy crap. I think this is, this is an attack. We're in a war. This is nuts. And, um, and the more it goes on, the more it's obvious because their end goal is written down. It's not that hard to figure out, you know? Yeah. They got to, they got to, plan for everything you know the vaccine hesitancy all this stuff from gavi and who it's uh it's intense what we're going through right now yeah and the vaccine hesitancy it's this is another thing that would, is really creepy um there's been lots of research over the last few, especially over the last few decades into they call it overcoming vaccine hesitancy essentially looking at ways to psychologically persuade or convince people these are safe. No, no, not to, it's not research into making drugs safe. It's research into making you think that it's safe. So it's it's essentially psychological manipulation. And Canada itself has, like, we literally have dozens of programs open right now. So I hope, and you, I hope you I, also posted a while back too about the vaccine lobbyists in Canada and and how they, you know, basically how there were so many lobbyists it was a, just a ridiculous amount yeah oh um you have gavi which is you know gates funded you have gsk GlaxoSmithKline, um pfizer teva phyto phytointervac uh sanofi like it's it goes on and on and as for some of our again these are just programs to quote-unquote increase vaccination rate we have creation of Canadian Immunization Resource Center, CanVax, um, program to decrease vaccine hesitancy and increase the knowledge among healthcare professionals, uh, develop an a mobile enhanced immunization information system, examining barriers to vaccine hesitancy in the Yukon, healthcare providers to address the drop in childhood immunization between ages 12 and 18, HPV vaccinations in schools, effect, developing effective strategies for increasing vaccine coverage, identification of under-immunized districts in Manitoba, immunized Nunavut, immunization outreach services, improving immunization rates among pregnant women in Canada, influenza vaccine effective monitoring, kids boost immunity, 
Midwives and Vaccination, Nova Scotia Enhanced Immunization Access Project, um, Enhancing Adult Immunization in Prince Edward Island, Implementing an Educational Strategy and Motivational Interviewing Techniques in Maternity Hospitals in Quebec, Implementing the Electronic Immunization Reminder for BC Interior, and Vaccination Policy, the Way Forward, essentially a policy initiative. And these are all things that, well, at least in April when I was did the, did the articles, that's what's currently going on in, in this waste, not to make drugs safe, but to make you think they are. And um, yeah, that doesn't sit too well with me. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's intense. Every single province. And when you look into vaccinations in the pharmaceuticals, the pharmaceutical companies are the number one lobbyists in government, and they're also the number one advertisers in media. And so this is the type of power that was necessary in the late 1800s and early 1900s by Rockefeller to essentially hijack the entire, the entire medical industry. In the US, I don't know all the details on how he was able to do it worldwide, but I'm sure he was able to, you know, carve and copy that system and, and do it in other, other governments. But that's essentially what, what, what you can do with that enormous amount of power. It's, it's absolutely mind boggling. And, it, and it's a perfect way when you use the, I think it's called the Hegelian system of um, crisis reaction solution normalization. And so now we have the perfect model to terrify everybody and then implement this medical tyranny. Yeah. And well, they actually, a few things give guidelines, like essentially they call it red level, yellow level, green level, like green levels, people, oh, we're totally on board with vaccination. So, you know, just go ahead with it. Yellow level, they're kind of skeptical. So here are some techniques to make them convinced. And then red levels, people's, they call them skeptics or deniers, but they're essentially people who've done a little research, you know, don't, don't, don't engage with them. Don't debate them. You know, remind them of the dangers and not immunization. So essentially gaslighting. <laughs> so yeah, there's various steps how to address people based on how willing they are to go along with it. Wow. That's brilliant yeah. on their part. It's terrible for us, but it's brilliant on their part, right? Because yeah. then, you know, it's it's essentially sales, right? All this has to do with sales and, and, uh, and uh, you know, making it, making it normal. And now that they're, you know, that's the whole thing now is the, the new normal, right? We're never going to go back to normal until we vaccinate everybody. That's, that's when we're safe and they're teeing it up. So if you want freedom or you don't want the vaccine, then you're dangerous for literally just existing. It is the most satanic Luciferian friggin' bullshit I have ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. And you know, why now it's like, you know, why are you dangerous after like, why were you suddenly you know, safe three months ago, but you're deadly now? Or for, for all of human history. Yeah. You know, now, and, now, now we're going to go into a new evolution of safety in human history that it, yeah. it required. I mean, if germ theory actually worked the way it was advertised, we'd all be dead. Like if it was actually, you could spread things nearly as easily as it was claimed, we'd all be dead. Yeah. And you have your immune system, which is, you know, it has a micro, you know, even with what, even with what vaccines apparently do as a waste system and why you get sick, you know, and, and all of those different things are very important to research. And when you go back to 
investigate those, you realize that there's money and in influence in that as well. Like what makes you ill, a germ theory versus terrain theory, which is the the origins of all of this. And it basically says that, you know, germ theory, that there's a the germ out there that's going to get you. And, you know, there are all these different kinds. Well, terrain theory says if you take care of your body and your immune system and you give it what it needs, it can fight off basically anything. And so... But it, with, with germ theory, you can make a, a pharmaceutical or a vaccine or some sort of magic thing that will cure you from that other thing rather than healing the body or letting the body work naturally, letting the body work as it is to fend off whatever it might be. Yeah, um, yeah it's... Yeah, a lot of this thing, these scare tactics, they don't actually hold water when you really stop to think about them. So, okay, so the obvious question is, okay, so why are you, you know, why are you terrorizing me? Like, why are you trying to do this? And the only reason I can think of is control. And uh, this one here, this, this is not my work. It's an organization called Fluoride Free Peel. I, I came across it not too long ago. Um, they actually started doing, back in April, uh, um, uh, just dozens and dozens of access information requests saying we want information on when this virus is actually isolated. And they, you know, they sent those to the UK, to New Zealand, to Australia, um, to several places in Canada. And there are several places that simply won't get respond. But other than that, it's the response they're getting is, well, we have no, no record that you're actually searching for. So, fluoride free peel it's like no we want to know like when was this isolated when was this purified you know when have you actually gotten a sample that you can test that you can run from oh well we have no records and so the obvious question there is okay was this virus ever isolated and if not then what are you basing your models on and yeah it's there's a woman on twitter christine massey she publishes on behalf of them. Yeah, it's an amazing amount of work. There's about 40 or 50 um, requests they've filed. No, no, no record of any purification or sampling. So all these claims, at least, unless they're holding out, all of these claims are completely BS. They don't actually, they don't actually know what any of this looks like. So, and in terms of science, I, well, in BC, we have, we're run by this woman named Bonnie Henry, and she she gives off the motherly approach, but my God, she's a tyrant. Like, there's no other way to describe her but a tyrant. There's so many. Yeah, the ones enforcing this are all tyrants. You can you can hear it in their demeanor and how they answer and how they don't answer questions. Basically, how they how they literally just come back with some sort of drama fear response based on no no facts. You know, like. Uh, Randy Hillier presents it. He's just like, we just found out that 98% of deaths are in, uh, you know, retirement old folks homes. And, and she, this girl responds, are you kidding me with this drama? Blah, blah, blah. Well, those are the facts. That's, yeah. that's what, the, that's what we know. Now we know that healthy people don't spread it, even though that you're trying to normalize a new world, new word, asymptomatic, AKA healthy people don't harm other people but they, they're spinning it and making people terrified so they can't think straight. Yeah, um, Christy Nelliott, the deputy premier in Ontario, God. The thing is, I'm curious about her. Um, okay, Randy Hillier, another MPP just said, there's 98% are dying in old folks' homes. You know, 
if you have any intellectual honesty here, wouldn't you want to know, okay, tell me more. I want to know more information. Not, are you serious? I know it's like, if, if she was actually truly interested in the truth, she would want more information. But, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's gaslighting to just force, force this agenda forward, you know, and, and we know, you know, and I know where they want to go, which is, which is not a great place. Yeah. Um, actually, since I'm on, on the topic of Christine Elliott, um, that looks like an interesting <laughs> documentary. You got to say, you say yeah. the history of uh, central banking. That's, that's yeah. a good one. I'm going through some yeah, as, right now. Yeah. As a documentary I came across or an ebook, um, yeah, I'm still going through it. On the topic of Christine Elliott, um, you want to call, you know, call her deceitful. This will do it for you. Um, I, I took this video off somebody's Facebook page, and good thing I did because the post is now deleted. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, well, they, they deleted me from Facebook. They deleted me from YouTube. And also, all the research that I've been doing since the yeah. beginning of this, they've, half of those videos are deleted. Yeah, and I had I'm actually on a one strike warning now warning now from YouTube because of I did a post on the lies of the public officials and they quite specifically said that my video got taken down. You know, you're not allowed to post things that directly contradict guidance from public health officials or that questions the efficacy of their advice. And they're right. quite explicit. You're not you know, you're not allowed to do this. Right. Of course. And this is from Christine. This is actually um, I know you've taken uh, questions before about how we include positive COVID-19 cases yep. and deaths but with regards to the one that we j unfortunately just read about uh, the young girl um, the the word from Toronto Public Health is that these were she died of health complications unrelated to COVID-19 but did test positive so I'm just curious if you want to reiterate why that is being categorized if it's unrelated to the COVID-19 positive why it's being listed anyway? Well, first of all, uh, any death as a result of COVID or where COVID is uh, situated is, is a tragedy, as it certainly was in this case. I um, just want like to extend my condolences to uh, the family of this young person. Uh, it's a terrible thing uh, to, to lose a child. Um, but um, in some cases, um, I'm not saying specifically with respect to this case, but in some cases there are situations where there are other uh, pre-existing conditions that may actually be the cause of the loss rather than COVID. COVID is uh, there, but may not have been the cause of death. But uh, Well, so died, and she quite openly says that died with COVID, but not died from it. And I pulled this video, I think it was back in April. So she, she knows that, you know, lying is going on. She, yeah. And uh, when, when they uh, released uh, the CDC in the States, they said, you know, 94% died with, not of COVID. It was only 6%. Yeah. So that brought, brings it down to 8,000 8, people, um, you know, and of those 8,000 people, what were the ages and what were the pre-existing conditions of, of all those people, right? So when you add that context in with the PCR testing, you know, with all the other information, you get a whole new perspective on what is actually going on here. And even with that, even with saying the CDC itself releasing that people are dying with COVID, not of COVID, two and a half existing pre-existing conditions. And, um, and 
uh, I can't remember what that. What else is it going to say? Oh yeah, with an with an average death death age of over eighty years old, that should help make it a little less frightening. But people are, they can't they can't handle it. They're still they're just still just terrified because of yeah. the the programming and also culture and and groupthink and mob think and all of that. All of those factors. Well, Health Canada last time I checked, well yesterday, seventy one percent of their deaths are people over eighty. Almost three quarters. Like that should give you some perspective. The average age overall, I think, is about eighty-two or eighty-three. So that's no, like this. This is essentially the end of life expectancy anyway. But you know that detail gets glossed over, and I'm sure you know Barbara Yaffe. I'll just let her do this. I think a lot of people think that Can testing is going to really solve the whole problem, and it isn't. It's one component of a response. If you test somebody today, uh, you only know if they're infected today. And in fact, if you're testing in a population that doesn't have very much COVID, you'll get false positives almost half the time. That is, the person actually doesn't have COVID, there's something else, they may have nothing. Uh, so it will just complicate the picture. On the other hand, if we have evidence of a case, even a suspect case in school, all the contacts of that case, be it a child or a teacher, would be tested, regardless of whether they're symptomatic or not. That is something we've learned. Up to 50% up to false positives. That's Barbara Yaffe, your deputy medical officer in Ontario. And... I mean, I've watched that clip many times and I'm still speechless. Like, yeah, it's complete. It's, it's, it's complete insanity of what we're experiencing here. And, you know, the, the amount of evidence for it is literally endless. It is absolutely endless. Each one you can pick apart so easily with various public officials, um, the money trail, everything. It just adds adds to the weight of what's going on here. And so, you know, we've been going for about an hour and a bit. So I want to ask you, where do you think all this is going? And what do you, what's, what would be your message to people? Um, I'll start with the second part. My suggestion to people is just, just start debunking the narrative. Like, like start fact checking this for yourself. Like, is this really is this really so scary? Is it really so bad? And if not, then why is it being pushed? Like, I would say to people, just take the time. I know it's daunting, but just take the time and figure out what's going on. Or at least consider alternate ideas. And where this goes, oh God, that's kind of scary. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you can shrug off, like someone like Hillary can just openly ask in, in Parliament, where are these internment camps being built? And then they just get, I guess, laughed off. Like, I don't know. And, oh, well, vaccinations will never become mandatory. Wait a minute, you said the same thing about masks back in April. Fast forward three or four months, here we are. And as far as like the media goes, like, because we have several different programs to essentially subsidize media. You have like, you know, the 25% salary subsidy. We have um, tax rebates for subscriptions. 
we have the 75% subsidy for like periodicals and magazines. Like, and that's on top of all the regular grants that we hand out anyway. Canadians don't realize just how much of their media is at least partially subsidized by the government, well, taxpayers, I guess. So they have a very perverse financial incentives to not tell you the full truth. So people need to really start researching on their own. And I, I don't really want to think about where this goes, but it's, unless people start waking up en masse, it's, it's not good. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I see some stuff going on in the States um, that, that gives me hope. You know, uh, it's plausible what they're saying about a deep state takedown. It gives, it gives me hope. Um, but because if it doesn't, if, the, if, if some intervention does not happen for what's, what's going, the plan is laid out that you can go find it. And it's, it's crazy people's cognitive dissonance and the, and the strength of brainwash. You know, I had another friend go down the tubes um, because they said uh, they couldn't be involved. And this is a person that, whose family that I have helped and supported um, in various ways with time, with information, I helped them build like something and it's not, you know, and they said it's about human decency. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I did this, 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 and this, which, which I really did do. Um, and I won't go into the details of it, but I spent a lot of time and effort helping and there, I, and I don't even talk about QAnon, you know what I mean? I don't even know how people find his little Q drops or wherever they find those it's on 4chan or something, but you know, I'm just open to information. I'll take it or leave it and I'm not attached to it, but it's not like I'm always, you know, saying QAnon this, I, I don't know that much about him or, or how credible that thing is. Um, but what they said to me was that they can't associate with me because of that. And I was like, that's completely ludicrous, but it just shows the power of this brainwash. And I'm like, that, that makes no sense whatsoever but part of that conditioning is they're they're putting and this is this happened recent and and it happened over the last few months too but really with the thanksgiving stuff they're pushing you know you can't associate with people who believe this stuff you can't associate with people who question the narrative you can't associate with these dangerous people and so it's really forcing this divide and conquer, which is really frightening because either I have to bend the knee to their submission, which is choosing a side of basically ignorance because they haven't taken the time to acquire the knowledge and do the investigating necessary to get a clear view. Or I, I stand in my truth and, and try to have a conversation with them, but they're unwilling to have that conversation. And so we can't, we can't figure out where um, we agree or where we disagree or share facts and information. It's just all emotional uh, feeling and, um, and this, uh, yeah, just logical fallacy based on emotion and, and not facts and evidence. So it's a really, really challenging, a really challenging experience to be in. And I'm going to remain hopeful because I don't want it to go to where it could be and where it's written, where it's been written by Klaus Schwab and the world economic forum and others. It's, n it's not positive. Um, is there anything that you wish that I'd asked you or that you want to uh, touch on before we uh, close this show? Okay. Um, I guess as, if people aren't convinced, you also consider um, this is not the first, I guess, go at it. Um, they've had several simulations in the last 20 years. You had a little thing called get this dark winter in 2001, you had Atlantic storm in 2005, Clade X in 2018 and event 201 in 2019. So these, these pandemic simulations have been going on for many years. 
And oh, we're just testing our emergency preparedness. Okay, are you doing that? But are you, or are you preparing for something like this? So, yeah, look into has this happened before? Um, yeah, but I, I guess while I'm at it, um, there's a channel that I've been on, um, Race to the Bottom. I just wanted to, you know, guys, go check that out as well. It's a good stream. Um, what is it called? Yeah, Race to the Bottom. Race to the Bottom? Yes. Is it a website or is it a YouTube channel? It, well, it's D, um, it's Zoom and YouTube. It's going to be deleted on YouTube soon. They're going to be on BitChute probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's probably true. Um, but yeah, like, I would say overall, people just like take the time to start looking into your own research and asking those questions. Like, why would they pull, you know, if it's 98% die in long care homes, why would they want to censor that? Or why would people want, why would the government want to censor that 99% recover? Or that, you know, we, we're pushing out this DNA vaccine that's only been tested for like a month or two. You know, start asking the obvious questions and start essentially asking, do the government narratives make sense? Like, why is this being pushed? Yeah, all, all reasonable questions. <laughs> yeah. You know, and... and Go ahead. I, I can't convince people, so I would say just take the time and start looking into things yourself. Um, because if you if you want to start seeing more, it has to come from within. Like you have to do the work yourself. A hundred percent. I I absolutely agree with that. Um, well, you've been doing really great research for a, a long time you. here. You're you're kind of staying in the shadows, which which is probably a good idea. But you know, if you go through your website, there's a lot of very well documented evidence. And you know, I don't know how you. I have to ask you, like, how you found the the transcripts from the government. That's a lot of reading, and it's a lot of boring boring ass reading. So I appreciate you doing the legwork for like coming up and giving some highlights, right? Because I'll I'll do some of that you know, legislative reading, it's, it's really terrible, but it's not, it's not great. But what you're doing is you're creating knowledge and, you know, you have an understanding and it does take time and effort to have understanding. So many people want the quick fix and they read the headlines. Well, you know, it, like anything, it takes time and it takes energy. And I uh, just appreciate the, the really great resource that you have going on. And your website is canucklaw.ca, which is consistently, uh, posting very well thought out um pieces of information thanks um and i did post i did post one article so for anyone who wants it how to do your own research investigative journalism it's it's basically just some of the main sites that i use some of the like same databases um i mean it's aimed, like you can do it for provincial as well but it's aimed more for like i guess federal um Things like the lobbying registry, things like Elections Canada, um, Stats Can, Open Government, and yeah, just if you don't understand something, just start che- like there's a stunning amount of information available. Just start checking for yourself, and just if things don't make sense, then go make sense at them. <laughs> That's great advice. Well, thank you for coming coming on the show and sharing a, a tiny bit of your research. This is a fraction of a fraction of what's available on your website. You're, you know, you've covered everything from um, vaccines, some of the lobbyers, uh, 
you know, everything in between there is really, really great resource, which you can go find and verify all, almost all of it is literally public government sites that give you the whole view. And so it's really not debatable stuff, but you're definitely correct. And you have to do it yourself to seek that understanding. So thanks for doing the work and, and sharing it. All right. Well, thank you for giving me the platform. My pleasure. Well, keep up the great work and uh, thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you in the next episode. All right. Thank you. Bye.